0: Jim Taddy.
1: Thank you, Mike Ross. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Our special guest today will be formerly Frank Corrado, my broadcast partner on TSN 1050 Maple Leaf coverage. Before we get there, hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Well, let's look at the Leafs week. It is fascinating to say the very least. Wednesday at home to Philadelphia, Saturday at home to Boston, Sunday afternoon, late afternoon in Carolina. They're going to step out of it. Pick your game because I know it's going to happen. You can also turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays if you like. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. The code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for complete details all right on to the hockey story and so the trip started Saturday October 22nd an impressive win in Winnipeg 4-1 would you have believed it at the time that was it for them the following Monday a loss in Vegas the following Thursday an overtime loss in San Jose against the Desperate Sharks opportunity loss Saturday against LA again a struggle and Sunday night against Anaheim oh boy gift-wrapped, an overtime loss. So there are two overtime losses here. The road trip goes 1-2-2. Two, and two. They sit at 4-4-2 four, four, and two on the season. And, you know, it's easy to compare this to last year, but it's a year later. It should not happen. Let's listen to my conversation with Frank Corrado, former Leaf, and my current broadcast partner on TSN 1050. Quite frankly, what do we have here, Frankie C? What's going on?
0: Well, it's not a great start for the Toronto Maple Leafs, is it, Jimmy?
1: No, not at all. Um,
0: yeah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to score goals right now. And I'm looking at their goals per games played this year. And 2.7, good for 27th in the league. And who would have thought that that would be one of the biggest issues for the Maple Leafs coming into this season? Because all we think about when we think about as this group is this high-powered, high-octane offense that can outscore their problems and can score on the power play. And it's gone dry to start the season. And that presents a big issue for this team, because if they're not going to outscore the turnovers and the defensive zone coverage lapses, um, they're going to be in trouble. They need they need more offense and they need it from everyone. They need it more from from the big guys in the lineup and right on through down to the depth players who haven't contributed enough
1: yet. Okay, so so what you described there is not uh, not who the Leafs are. they They have the offense and then it sort of covers over the warts defensively, playing the way they are now. They would have to totally reconfigure their their team, which they're not going to do. Well, I so don't know what, how you can. I don't know yeah. how,
0: how how can you reconfigure your team? This is a team that, after years of playoff failures, you've chosen to keep this team. and especially after this last one where you thought, okay, you can't do it again. You can't go back to the well again. And of course they did. And I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. I think if you believe in your philosophy as a group and and that's your messaging, that's okay. Like you can keep going back to it, but at some point it's got to work. And early in the season, it's like, man, we're watching it. And it's like, it's just not working. And, and so, you know, to try and do it on the fly in the middle of season would be extremely difficult. Like we're talking about a team that's very pressed against the cap luckily they have some LTIR space now that they could work with they have 50 contracts so it's any 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 move they make is going to require bodies in bodies out um, I just think if you have if you have all summer to make changes and reconfigure your team that's when you're gonna do it to do it now during a season like I don't know if general managers even want to take your call because everyone's seeing what they have as far as their teams go. Um, it's, it's way too hard, and, and we see it every year where you know it's quiet, no one's making any trades, and then all of a sudden we get to trade deadline time, and teams have kind of realized, okay, uh, we're probably not going anywhere this year, or maybe it's time to, to ship someone out or bring someone in. That's when it gets going. Right now, you got who you got, and maybe a minor thing here and there, but you're talking about a, a, an earth-shattering move for this team. I don't see it happening anytime soon.
1: So, if this continues the way it is, then we're going to look back in the summer as a classic misread, because uh, you know if this yeah. continues on, the, what should have been done in the summer was not
0: yeah and and when you when you talk about the summer, like where do you go first? Because you knew you had a goaltender and Jack Campbell who was leaving, and Peter Mrazek, you were doing everything to get rid of, and you did eventually get rid of him. So you had to address your goaltending, so that probably took up a lot of time and oxygen, and then on the back end, we were talking about it coming into the season. Like, well, it's pretty deep. Like Lilligren and Sandin have taken the next step in their career. And they're going to keep developing. And Timothy Lilligren, I know he hasn't played yet this year. So we'll see what he's all about when he comes back and see how much he's improved. Rasmus Sandin talking about wanting to be in that top four, play that top, that top four minutes, Jake Muzzin. Can he stay healthy? He hasn't been able to this year and he's been a big loss outside of that. You know, Mark Giordano has given you good minutes on the third pair. Morgan Riley is what he is. He had six points through ten games last year. He's had seven points through ten games this year. I think there's there's a lot of burden that he carries. TJ. Brody's been as expected. Justin hall has been has been the big struggle, right on the back end. Yeah. He's been struggling, and i can I can sympathize with a player going through something like that. It's you get into a dark place and you just feel like you can't do everything right. And especially in this market, you hear your name a lot. And there's a lot of of chatter around it. Ultimately, for him, at some point, he's probably just going to need a little bit of a reset and and get out of the lineup. But then when when you look at up front, what could you have done up front to make your team better? You had your top line coming back intact, and you would hope that Michael Bunting took another step and Matthews and Marner kind of stayed at that same pace that they were scoring at through last season. The biggest hole for me, it was going to be on the second line, the left wing on the second line. Who was going to play with Tavares and Nylander? And we've seen a little bit of like a running audition for it this year between uh, Robertson and Kerfoot. Well, against against Anaheim, we see a totally different shuffle of, of lines, but we can get into that later. So yeah. you didn't address that. Um, you have a third line who I thought last year, and you probably thought the same thing, was really good for the Maple Leafs with Camp, Kasha, and Mikhaeev, and then even yeah. if Engball was playing there, that line had a lot of identity. They were big guys who could protect the puck and kind of tilt the ice. I call them call them a setup line because they would set you set up the first and second line to kind of take an ozone draw and, and take things from there. So we lose that line. And then lower in the lineup, it's like you've replaced guys like Simmons and Spetza and I guess even Clifford, who played a, a a bunch for the Leafs last year with Aston Reese and Obey Kubel. And there's just, there hasn't been enough there. There hasn't been enough contribution there. Even though you're on the fourth line, you still need to contribute to the team. And, and basically how you do that is you don't get scored on. You don't get hemmed in your own zone. Well, that's happened a lot to those to those guys this year. And eventually you need to contribute. And Aston Reese and Obey Kubel specifically, zeroes across the board. So they need a little more from those guys. They need a little more lower in the lineup. Ultimately. The team can do it. They are capable of scoring goals. They are capable of keeping pucks out of their net. But the GM has put his faith in you now. And it's time to show him that he was right in doing so. And this group hasn't done that yet.
1: Okay, so this is a, almost, a, I want to say, a precarious setup because the GM has put his faith in, in those guys. I agree with that. But uh, it, when it starts to unravel, and it's really close to that, Uh, You've got a GM in the last year of a contract a coach under some scrutiny and some elite players under a lot of scrutiny. I mean, what goes here? This is, uh, you know, it's close to the edge, isn't it?
0: It is close to the edge. And so what goes? Usually it would be the coach. Like that's the easiest thing you can do. You don't have a salary cap restriction there. You would just fire the coach. You would bring someone in. Sheldon Keefe is not the problem with this team. We see every single game now where Sheldon Keefe is trying to do something with his lineup shaking up the lines. And when you restrict him early on in the season with the 20-man roster, he's stuck. That's the only thing he can do. Now, since he's got 23 on the roster, he's been having guys in and out of the lineup, trying to add a little bit of a different flair to each line. Nylander plays center against Anaheim. Um, you know, like Wayne Simmons is coming in and out of the lineup. Your, your Geno Malgin comes back in and he scores you a goal. So, like, he's trying to do everything he can. He's throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. I don't have an issue with Sheldon Keith. Here's the thing. If a coach tells you what you're doing wrong, the same, like a different coach is going to come in and tell oh, yeah. you what you're doing wrong. It's up to the players to do it. We could we could watch a Leaf game. You and I could watch a Leaf game with five NHL coaches, okay? Pretty much every coach is going to say, clip that to the same things, right? Clip this, yeah. clip that. Okay, I want to show this. I want to show that. This. They're all going to say the same things. How do you say it? That's going to get across to your team. Ultimately, that's the biggest difference. But the players know what they're doing wrong. The players know where they can't turn the puck over. The players know their responsibilities in the D zone. Why are they not doing it? That's the bigger question than the coach. The coach can only do so much. The players are, are paid a lot of money and a lot is expected of them. And I think that's where... That's where the responsibility the responsibility lies. It's not necessarily on the coach in this instance.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. But sometimes you have to make that move so that you can salvage those contracts and players that, that you have faith in. Uh, you know, I, I want to go to the, the game in Anaheim. Uh, when you look at how this game was, was given away, there's two Marner turnovers, a Tavares turnover, and an overtime face-off loss deep in the other zone. They go right down the ice and score. I mean, that... You couldn't gift that game any better than that.
0: You couldn't. And the defensive awareness on this team is so incredibly low. And I understand you want to be a high-powered offense. You want to be thinking offense all the time. But there are, like, certain things that you learn from a very young age as far as playing away from the puck. And I don't know if these guys, some of them missed the message along along the way. But there's just certain non-negotiables, man. And it's like setting up off a face-off. You should be in this. You should be lined up with someone. You shouldn't be on an empty wing. You're always lined up against someone. I don't care if it's the offensive zone or the defensive zone. You see Zegras, just burst right on through, and he's down yeah. the ice because no one's in his way. No one's lined up against him. Um, so that that's another one. And then the turnovers with Marner. Well, Mitch Marner's a creative player. I understand he can't turn the puck over in in inopportune times and spaces, but also you should never be alone on the ice. Like a guy like that who has the puck that much and is trying to create that much, he's going to be prone to turnovers. Let me ask you this. How is it a breakaway after Mitch Marner turns the puck over? Last time I checked, there's two defensemen on the ice. So one of those guys has to realize, okay, little bit of a dangerous spot. My forward has the puck. Maybe I retreat out to the neutral zone because I see that Anaheim's kind of sniffing around. No one has that presence of mind. No one's thinking defense first. I, I think if this team kind of started thinking, okay, let's just stay on the right side of everybody, right? Let's stay between my guy and the net, and then we can work on the offense from there. Like, that's that's the thing that that is crazy. Anaheim, who's down 3-1 in that game, who is not a good defensive team, not a good offensive team, eventually kind of just got gift-wrapped a few things because Toronto's like cheating on offense it's 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 crazy and and that's not like the coach has told these guys like the coach is not sitting there telling these guys to to go play run and gun and forget about your defensive responsibilities. I could tell you I played for Sheldon Keith. We have video sessions where seventy five percent eighty five percent of what's being communicated to us is away from the puck, and the Leafs are lucky because other teams and other coaches. That'll be close to ninety-five percent. Ninety-five percent of your video sessions are stuff away from the puck. These guys are lucky. They get a little more, a little more bonus, or I guess a little more of a cookie that they get more opportunities to play with the puck. So listen, it's all self self-inflicted stuff and it's yeah. all preventable from this team.
1: Well, you know, what you're describing there is, is a team that has a major disconnection on the ice. I mean, you're, you know, are you waiting for somebody to score? So, so that takes the pressure off you, but they're, they're not supporting each other. It just, no. it doesn't look good. There's, there's a disconnect that way. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure on the elite players. And, you know, quite frankly, let's go to the Sunday night game where the, the Marner incident, the the stick break, the benching, uh, the Marner yeah, yelling on the ice at a haul on a turnover. I mean, yeah. these, these are cracks in the foundation.
0: I can't like I can't do it with the yelling at your teammates on the ice. I I never liked it. I was never a fan of it. Um, if you have something to say to someone, I don't know, like keep it to yourself. Really, you want to you want to bitch and whine to your line mates? That's fine. Um, or or just I don't know. I just I don't like it, man. It it it's not for me. It never was for me. As far as the whole uh, Mitch Marner Sheldon Keefe situation, Mitch Marner is a very good player. He's accomplished a lot in the NHL. Can't take that away from him. <clears throat> but ultimately, no player in that league is above criticism and coaching, especially from their own coach. And when the evidence is there, when the, when the video is there, that you've made enough mistakes and it's coming back to haunt your team, what do you expect your coach to say? Like, do you just expect your coach to not say anything and just keep putting you back on the ice? The issue Sheldon Keefe has with that is he would love to. He would love to sit Marner for a whole period and say, sorry, guy, this is the message I'm sending you. But he can't. He can't because he relies on Marner too much. And he's probably afraid of fracturing the relationship, right? And and if Marner sits for a whole period and he sits on that bench, that's embarrassing. It is, it's embarrassing for the player who's a 96, 97 point player last year, and he's going to sit on the bench for you. So there's a, there's a line there that Sheldon Keith needs to walk as far as sending a message to the player, sending a message to his team that what this player is doing is unacceptable, but also not crossing that line and embarrassing your guy because then you can fracture the relationship. And I've seen it where it goes south and it never goes back north. So that's a that's a delicate balance that Sheldon Keith is, is trying to play with right now.
1: Let me just argue that point. I I don't disagree with you, but I'm I'm a circumstance guy. So the circumstance is you're in the end of a five game road trip. You're in Anaheim, so you're you're not at home, and that's the perfect opportunity to do the benching. Uh, and you could also you know you can bring him back at some point. Maybe in overtime he wins it for you. Now you've got games at home. If that same thing happened at home, it would be catastrophic the yeah. scrutiny, the scrutiny on that situation would be unbearable.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Right. Cause you know, it's your, it's your home fans. There's family in the building. There's all, all that kind of stuff is, is, is into play now. And if you have a player sitting like a, a very, a very prominent player for your team, if you have him sitting for a whole period, I just, I can't see a situation where that happens again. I, I keep coming back to this at some point, the Leafs are going to snap out of this and at some, at some point they're going to get going And if they do, then there's no reason to even think about benching Marner or sitting Marner. Uh, But, hey, I don't mind sending a message to your players every once in a while. I've had it happen to me, and it sucked in the moment. But eventually you kind of get through it. And and I think there's also a, a respect factor that goes along with it. And I mean it this way. If you keep taking an inch, taking an inch, taking an inch, and no one rectifies that. Like no coach kind of tells you, hey, "Hey, you've taken it a little too far now. What do you think you're going to keep doing?" Yeah. Right? It can keep slipping, and you almost have more respect for a guy who just very bluntly tells you, "It's not going to happen anymore. You're not going to do it. And this is my line in the sand. And I'm going to st- line line in the sand. I'm going to stay firm on this." You know, if it, it feels like sometimes if if there's no pushback, it feels like it's almost like spineless, right? Yeah. Um. So, so I I don't I don't have any problem with Sheldon Keith doing that. Quite frankly, Jimmy, he could have sat him the whole period. Big deal. Yeah. It happens, yeah. right? You gotta you yeah. gotta move on. But I I can understand the 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 tightrope that that Sheldon Keith is trying to walk with that situation.
1: Yeah, I I, I point that out because uh, you know he could have been benched longer, but he wasn't. Uh, and and a week earlier, there was criticism about the elite players not being elite players in the, in the loss. To Arizona and then they were backtracked. So, I, you know, it's a, it, it just doesn't, it, it sort of projects as a, um, a, a weak situation, a, yeah. a, a precarious situation. And that's the but, thing.
0: I don't want to see that. I don't want to no. see a weak coach. And even if it's my coach, even if it's my coach and I'm on that bench, I don't want to see a weak coach. I want to see a coach that is strong in his opinion and his beliefs and instills that on the team. And I think you have a lot of respect for that.
1: Okay, so, you know, the road trip was supposed to be the bonding exercise. Uh, it was not. Uh, you know, obviously, anything can be turned around uh, with a good performance. But this week, they're at home to Philadelphia and Boston, then go on to Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how far this can drift. What's your, what's your read on it?
0: Well, it can drift as, as long as you let it. I mean, yes. it, it, the results aren't just going to happen. Like, the results are a byproduct of what you do on the ice. And if you start playing the right way, the way you know you can – then you'll, you'll start carving out wins. But to, to think that you're just going to flip a switch just because November hit, I think that's silly. I think it doesn't matter what month you're in. You're, you're, you're a byproduct of what you're doing and how you're playing. And, and it's your habits and it's, it's your mentality on the ice. And um, like it, it feels a lot like last year. And I, I, I always thought this was kind of silly last year, how the narrative was, oh, there was this great speech in the dressing room guys give great speeches all the time. And I've seen situations where guys pipe up in the room and it's like, we go out there, we lay the same egg we laid in the second period or the first period. You know what I mean? So there's nothing that needs to be said. Everyone knows what they need to do. They just need to do it. And if guys are shutting people out, like if there's a little bit of like a disconnect as far as communication, uh, snap out of that and understand that you're a team and you're all in it together and you're all, you know, you're, you're searching for one common goal. Like, I I don't know the dynamic in the room, but when, when you hear guys yelling at each other on the ice, generally it's not, it's not a great sign. So I I, I would like to see a little more cohesiveness within the group and just a little more care for, you know, Jimmy, you're my D partner. You just messed up. I got you, buddy. I'm going to cover you up. No worries. Right. And, and as if, if that can go through the lineup, you'll have a better chance of winning. It's, it's too hard. It's too hard of a league to have little isolated battles on your own all night long and expect to win games. You're, you're only as good as your support.
1: Okay. Let me ask you this before a lightning round of yes, guy, no guy. Do you think there's a leadership void on the Leafs?
0: I don't know if there's a leadership void. I think Morgan Riley has really been uh, like, he's really stepped up into a great leader for that team. And even the stuff that he says out of, uh, you know, coming out of games and, the way he says it in his demeanor, you can tell that he wears it a certain amount, uh, whatever's going on with the team. But you, you can see there's like a little bit of a, he's, there's a little stoic there behind Morgan Riley. And I can respect that. And I think he's, you know, he's one of those guys who he loves being a Maple Leaf. He cares about the team. And, you know, if, if I were to be looking to someone in that room to, to be the vocal guy or the guy people can really rally behind, behind for me, it's Morgan Riley.
1: Okay. Yes, guy. No, guy. Number one, your concern level is high regarding the elite players on the Maple Leaf hockey team.
0: Uh, yes, guy. Yeah, for sure. Like the Leafs are, the Leafs are twentieth in the league right now in goals with twenty-seven. This, you know, and I know it's through ten games, but this is not a team that should be struggling to score goals. And ultimately, that's that's what the elite players are supposed to be doing.
1: Okay. Yes, guy. No, guy. Number two, Marner puzzles you.
0: Yes, guy yes a little bit and and that's not that's not a shot at his game or anything like that but what it is is you know you've, you've been paid a lot of money there's a lot of expectations on you with this team and I think there's there's expectations to drag your team into the fight more than anything like remember remember against Boston in the playoffs that one year Marner had that really heroic shot blocking sequence where he kind of dives in front of it. And that was the Mitch Marner that I think so many people fell in love with, right? And and I think maybe over the last little while we've we've kind of seen that that drift away. I think that's what people want to see from Mitch. They just want to see that highly competitive spirit come out in him, and we know it's there. Um, and I think that's what frustrates people.
1: Yes, guy, no guy number three. The line shuffling has to stop.
0: No guy, what are you going to do? You don't have you don't have any anything going right now, and and you don't these lines haven't really earned any continuity. So um, I I think you keep going until you feel like there's something that, that you want to give a little bit more runway. Uh, But yeah, there's something to be said to playing with people for a certain amount of time, but I don't see anything that's worth keeping together right now outside of maybe the first line.
1: Okay. Final. Yes. Guy, no guy. They will snap out of it this week. Snap out of it means they'll win two out of three.
0: Yes, guy. Of course they will. Of course they will. It's November. Don't you know once the calendar hits November, this team turns into the the, the USSR Red Army team with Tretiak and Ned and the, the you know, so uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think last year, last year in November, Jack Campbell had a 959 save percentage. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. So um, if they can get good goaltending, if they can find ways to shore up some of the defensive miscues, and find ways to generate a little more offense there's no reason why they can't go two for three this this week but tough games they're talking philly boston carolina and with the amount of games that you lost against poor opponents you have to make some up against some maybe scheduled losses and this week might be one of those at times
1: frankie c frankie corrado thanks very much thank you yes guy Hope you enjoyed episode 7, season 3 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back next week for episode number 8.